Coming up, we'll be talking about the new Avengers Endgame movie. If you haven't seen it yet, don't bother listening to the rest of this podcast as there are a bunch of spoilers coming up. All that and more next. Hey, welcome back to Nerdcaster. This is your host, Joe, and with me is Lori again. Hi. And it only seems fitting as she was here last time when we gave away our theories on Endgame, and I was 100% completely fucking wrong. I don't even remember the theory that I gave. I don't... I think I kept saying I wasn't as interested in what happened at the end of Endgame as I was um, what what was going to happen in Episode Nine of Star Wars, but... Um, I also didn't have any high expectations for Endgame. I think I was just kind of... I, I said this in so many episodes. That you went I just, on a Loki rant for like 25 yeah, minutes. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I probably did that. Which obviously Loki played much less a role in the film than warranted a 20-minute discussion in our last episode. But well, that's in the past. Speaking about that, maybe I LOL. was... Yeah. Shut up. My joke was funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but maybe I wasn't a hundred percent wrong because maybe Loki lived. I don't know. I mean, obviously for those, if you haven't seen Endgame, you're probably the only person on the planet who has not. If you're going to say the spoiler thing, I always put that in the intro before the music. Well, um, well, can I say it? Yeah, go ahead. I'm not going to say it now. Now you have to say it. Um, if you haven't seen Endgame, you probably shouldn't listen to the rest of this podcast because we're going to just spoil the shit out of it. You're damn right. So where do you want to start? Because um, there is so much to cover in this episode. I'll let you pick the first area we'll attack. In no particular order. So if you haven't seen it this is, and you're still listening, everything we say is going to be completely 100% out of motherfucking order. Uh, Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to go through the movie like from beginning to end, but it's too long to do that. I'll just, I'll just say, um, this movie really exceeded pretty much my every expectation in terms of what I thought, um, it was going to be. I wasn't the biggest fan of infinity Ward. A lot of people that I've talked to, they know that, that I was just, I thought it was good, but I thought it was just slightly better than Avengers two, which is really not saying all that much. You liked Avengers two? No, that's the point. So you're 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 ranking it that low. Infinity War. Yeah, you're ranking In- Infinity War that low. I just didn't think it was as good as everybody thought it was and I had um you know after seeing it the first time I rewatching it a couple weeks ago before we saw Endgame changed my opinion a little bit because I think I had to watch it a second thing a second time to get get a, a few things but it still wasn't like I didn't think it was as great as everybody said it was. Like, it, to me, it was not as good as Civil War. It was not as good as Thor 3. It was not as good as... Um, I mean, I really like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I know that that's not everybody's favorite Two or favorite the first either. one? Two. I know Two, that that... Really. Well, I know that's not everybody's favorite either. But, um, you know, so I obviously have, like, different taste. And uh, so I get it. So anyway, that being said... Well, no. Don't, don't, don't skip ahead because I do want to comment on something you just said. Oh, which okay. will bring us into Endgame. I think the reason you may not have liked it, because I did notice this after our second time watching it. That's right, people. We already have saw it twice. After the second time watching it, Thanos. Thanos in the second movie, and we'll start here then, 
was so much better than the first movie. His lines, his, his fighting, like whatever they did to him in contrast from Infinity War to this game, his character this was game. a lot. What did I say? What did I say? This game. From Infinity War to Endgame, his character to me changed somewhat. And I think it's because they plucked him from the past. And we'll get more into that later, I'm sure. That he's not the same character he was in Infinity War. Does that make sense? He's from a different time. Yeah. Right. And now this time it's personal to him because he's seen that he succeeded and now they're trying to fuck him. I can definitely see that. I thought his, I, I, I thought his character was completely flat in Infinity War. I didn't think like, aside from his sort of like sociopathic, I'm going to eliminate half the world to save the world kind of crap. Um him throwing Gamora over the edge, like, oh, like he genuinely loved her, he shed a tear. And it's just like, I thought that whole scene was terrible. And I actually, it got me, a, it got to me a little bit the second time I watched it, but more from Gamora's perspective. I thought the acting was fine. I, I don't have any complaints. Yeah. It was fine. Definitely fine. It, it was totally fine. Um, I just, I thought the writing was like terrible. I didn't think that there was enough, um, I don't think there was enough set up before that happened for me to actually believe, even in his own twisted way, that he loved Gamora. You know what I mean? I, I do. And that's what brings me to, to the Soul Stone thing. Now, because I don't feel like he loved her as much as he said he did, and he even shed a tear for whatever reason, I, it's kind of hard to believe. What... How does the Soul Stone work? The Soul Stone and the Reality Stone, not the Reality Stone, um, the Soul Stone, and what's the other one? There's two stones that we really don't know that much about. And this one, the Soul Stone was only in Infinity War. You knew nothing about it until Infinity War. So we, I feel we don't even know how that stone really works yet. So is it just, hey, you can throw anybody over the fucking ledge and boom, you get a Soul Stone? Or does that person have to mean something? I th- it, you have to lose that which you love is what the they said in Red Infinity Skull War. Says. Yeah, but if he didn't really love Gamora, how does that work? I mean, no, I, I, I think for all intents and purposes in the writing, he's supposed to, and like, and and that to me was kind of why I didn't like really believe it was that, um, and I guess it doesn't matter if I believed it. Thanos believed that he loved Gamora, and I guess you know he still felt a loss, and mm. I don't know soldiered on and just kept going i mean i still again i don't want to stay on this too too long because i complained about this i think as soon as infinity war came out that scene i I must have complained i think i did complain about it for about 20 minutes so let's move on a little bit and i am going to start in the beginning of end game because something happened that was totally unexpected to me these you you see the beginning which is pretty much the trailers you have all seen already if you haven't seen the movie everything that's in the trailer is in like the first 15 minutes which I actually think is pretty great. I do too because they make you think it's throughout the movie. And this is what I mean about being surprised. These motherfuckers kill Thanos with the, what? The first seven minutes of the movie? Mm-hmm. Thanos gets his arm chopped off and his head is gone. Thor says his iconic line, I went for the head this time or whatever he says. And yay, he's dead but nobody comes back. Because – well um, – Because the Infinity Stones are dead. They're yeah, gone. he got rid of them. He wished – he snapped them away almost killing himself in the setting – foreshadowing what the stones did to him after um he tried to use them to destroy them so uh and then it's like what the fuck do they do now and then that's when it goes five years later so we were i think a little bit wrong i think i had it 
um, comp- actually had it completely wrong where I'm like, the beginning of the movie is set two years afterwards, mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense because Tony Stark was in the ship and he obviously wouldn't have been able to survive for two years in space. I don't think they would have brought enough supplies. So I, you know, it didn't make sense. And that's not what happened anyway. It began 21 days after the snap and then between 21 and 24 days yeah because he i think he says he he can't remember exactly how many days it is and i think he says 22 yeah yeah that's that's right and then um they go they captain marvel shows up they go get thanos kill thanos they're like fuck we can't do anything and five and then you just see the screen just goes five years later it's like crazy how slowly they pan that out because you're just like Holy! They actually just fucking did that. They just made it pointless. Yeah, surprised me a little bit. Shouldn't have, so, but it did. Well, it did to me too. Because let's go back. First of all, how did Captain Marvel know to find Tony, and how did she end up finding him? That part bothers me, and it's never explained. He doesn't. Well, I have a feeling there was shit cut out because the scene with her and the beeper never happens. Well, it does happen. Not in the movie. It don't. It happens. Doesn't it happen at the end of Captain Marvel? Or not the end of Captain Marvel. Um, It happens in an end credit scene or something. Or it was part of a trailer. Yeah, it was part of a trailer. Where's Nick Fury? Yeah. Was it? We should have went in here with more facts. Well, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't happen in this movie because it looks like it's supposed to happen in this movie. They're standing in that room. They don't know her yet. And automatically, I mean, I understand like she Automatically. Automatically. She finds Tony. And Tony goes, yo, take me back to Earth. I can understand why she brings him back to Earth because she meets Tony and Nebula and that's where they need to go. Well, we see that scene where she goes, she responds to the beeper's call. But that scene is either in an end credit scene or in another scene that makes it look like it takes place in Infinity, in, in Endgame. Well, whether or not it takes place in Endgame is actually, is not really relevant. It does happen and they they must be the people to tell her that he's out there somewhere because maybe they are able to pinpoint his location via space gps but they have no via way- his helmet possibly right I got but they that. have no way to get there i i get that i get i understand all that and i agree but it's not explained that's what i'm just trying to say it's not explained so we're just supposed to assume that's what happens because that's what you're doing you're just assuming i, that's I what am happened. but i don't i mean that's a really good point but i feel like you didn't need if, if you watch that scene then you didn't need. You don't. The movie's over three hours long. I don't think they needed an extra scene to explain that. I think you kind of get it. I, I'm not saying that. What I'm. I, I agree. You don't need it if you saw that scene. What I'm saying is, what else did they cut from this movie? How long is like a director's cut going to be? Are we going to get some awesome scenes? Because I think that was an awesome scene that I would have liked to have seen in this movie. To see that first interaction she has with the entire team. Like, how does everybody take to her right away when she comes in, just blasting that she wants to know where Fury is. And in the, in the scene that we see, the, the, the end of the movie scene or end credit scene or the trailer, nobody explains to her what happened to Fury yet. So we don't even get that explanation to her. We don't see her reaction to it. We don't get any of that. And that's kind of what I was hoping to see after seeing that scene. Her involvement in the overall movie wasn't... Was nothing. It... it yeah, it, it, I expected a little bit more. And I'm actually on the fence with, like, do I agree with that or don't I? Because I, you know, after we saw Captain Marvel, I was kind of... I'm really not a fan of introducing new characters at this point. And after seeing Endgame, I mean, to be strictly honest, her character... I feel like her character was entirely not needed at all. I really don't think it was needed they could the way what the purpose that she served in the film so there's like two major things that she does one was get tony stark they could have handled that a couple of different ways they could have you know he could have been rescued 
um, you know, by I feel, Rocket. Rocket has a ship. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. So I feel like something else could have been done. They could have got found a way to get him home or yeah. did something. I don't know. I don't think that she was 100% necessary to rescue him from where he was. Number two, she she literally... Um, Beelines through a crowd of people. That scene? No. That's, to me, also... That's, <laughs> I forgot about that because I don't think that's that important either. But um, um, maybe it is. But she crashes through Thanos' like, warship, this, yeah. his like destroyer that was raining fire, and... Again, they could have there. There could have been another plot device or another uh, character that could have come in. Ant Man could have just fucking rendered it in half. We don't know. As a giant man, yeah, exactly. So like, do I feel? Is she really needed? Is she imperative to the story? Do I give a shit what happened to her? No. See, That's the way I felt about it. I I don't disagree with you. I'm after. I thought Captain movie Captain Marvel was a, a good movie. Good. I'm not putting it higher than good. I. After seeing her in Endgame, I'm beginning to not like her character more. I like her character. Captain Marvel in the comic book, the new comic book that's out, is, is I find it very entertaining. I find it good. Her Brie Larson's rendition on this character or the writing for this or the way they want her to play it, whatever that amalgamation is, doesn't work for me. She's like, I'm the baddest bitch in the world and nobody can fuck with me pretty much. After and and they don't know her, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just like they didn't see Captain Marvel. They don't even yeah. you know. They don't even know who she is. They don't know what she's done. I agree with that. And it's kind of like you're coming in and like everybody's you know everybody's traumatized. Everybody lost somebody. But like what the way I felt with Captain Marvel was, I feel like aside from Nick Fury, like oh she lost him. Like, you haven't seen him in like thirty years. That felt empty. I was like, I don't believe that. I don't believe that you haven't been around for 30 years. Or maybe you have. Maybe you've kept in touch with him over time. And, and no, no, that's an off-screen thing. Nobody knows that that happened. I didn't believe her to be upset enough or have enough of a personal connection. What I think should have happened. And maybe it did. Maybe it's a, a cut scene. But like her best friend's daughter would have been older, obviously, when the snap happens, right? They could have, you know, she could have went back to earth after the whole fury thing and discovered that they were lost and then actually you would feel like a personal I, connection yeah i would feel more empathetic towards captain marvel but uh, to me it just looked like she was the person on the team that had that lost nothing she lost nothing so to me her willingness to fight is just like solely on like i want to save the world in these other universes i actually there are more universes out there that have problems you know that you know or you know more planets more planets that have issues and they don't have the The avengers Avengers. they don't have you guys which you have to they marvel like the film had to make that point two times because i think they knew that like she what is what is our connection with her there's really it doesn't really exist so to me therefore it's just like i you know saving for the greater good that's all well and fine but that goes that goes back to the type of superheroes that um superhero movies created prior to mcu the reason why mcu has been so successful was because they were able to humanize these people and there's like i feel like they couldn't humanize carol danvers not in not in endgame at least not yet she is a, a newer character in the series so we don't have that connection where some of these characters have two or three movies going into this mm-hmm. and uh, i liked you know what i liked Captain marvel I don't I didn't mind the movie like I said it was good. I hate the fact that she comes in and the theater we were sitting in both times erupted into clapping clapter. I was going to say clapter. They erupted into clapter and stood up and cheered the second she came on the screen, destroyed Thanos ship by by zipping through it and it's like 
dog. He's been on this planet for how long now? Like they've been fighting for for quite a bit, and you can obviously get somewhere fast as shit. Where have you been? Why you knew? How did? Yeah, where are you? Get get here quicker, bro. Maybe maybe uh, Captain America's shield would still be in one piece. So I don't. Yeah. So then it comes that comes the other side of things. It's just like, did they limit her involvement in the movie because she was literally so opaque? that they just won't have a plot at that point. And I'm glad you said that because the the second she starts fighting with Thanos, I think the second time after he throws her and she comes back to stop him from snapping and he literally needs to take the power stone out of the glove, hold it in his fist and punch her dead square in the head in order to do any damage to her going forward in the movies. How does anybody do damage to this woman? Like this is the same problem I have with Superman. You're so overpowered that there's no reason to watch it. There's no reason Give me, like, Kryptonite is so crappy, and after a while, without getting into it, it doesn't even affect Superman anymore, which makes it worse. What is her weakness? Where is that? In the comics, it's her compassion for people. And you actually don't really see that and I don't, that much. And I don't feel she has that, because she's just like, I got, a, I got other places to be right now. I don't, I don't got time to help you guys. That's the way I felt her character came off. You know, and uh, and Rocket calls her out on it, and she's just like that line that you said, and it's like, oh yeah, well, I guess yeah, that a, makes he, sense. He's just like, that's a good point. And you know what? Just to bring on another point, what Marvel's really good at, what they did really well in this movie, which helped it, you know, be a half really a comedy. Um, it called itself out a lot. What do you mean? So, like when Rocket, like particularly when Rocket comments on something, he's kind of saying like what the audience is thinking. So, just like obviously, like five years later, Carol Danvers comes back with the haircut that she has in the comics. <laughs> and if you don't read the comics, like you don't know that she actually they're she you does know, have the shorter hair. Yeah, they're paying homage to that to the the comic book, which I respect like so much. But obviously, people who don't see the, who don't read the comic or don't, are not even aware of it, they wouldn't know, and they would probably scratch their head a little bit and be like, why? Yeah. You know, because we all know how we like to comment on the different hairstyles of the female characters um, in any film. But he was just like, oh, you're going to go get another haircut? Like, <laughs> ha ha. And people laugh at that because that's exactly what they were thinking. They're like, what the fuck is up with her hair? And he just says it. And that makes the movie really funny because it's – and to me, that that's great writing. It's like you're anticipating – what your audience is thinking about and they what i compare him to and this is this is a very bad com- a comparison but like the avengers deadpool deadpool breaks the fourth wall to talk to the audience and you got rocket he's not breaking the fourth wall so the way they're writing his character is so well done that it's like he is saying to her what everybody else is thinking he's being blunt about it where you know some of us he's would the be, ball buster in the group yeah but like 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 if you had a bad haircut people are gonna be like oh nice haircut even though they really don't like it. You know what I mean? Who who doesn't like my haircut? I'm, I'm using you as an example. Uh, but, you know, he goes ahead and says, yeah, what are you going to get another haircut? Like, you know what I mean? He's the one who will be blunt about it. Like what the classic line that I love that he says to Star-Lord in the last movie, uh, you're one sandwich away from fat or, you know, calling calling Thor melted ice cream. Like it's <laughs> it's it's so good the way they wrote his character's jokes. It, it's just on point like he's the he's re- a mean you know what he's a mean girl he's the mean girl in the group and he's he's allowed to do it because he's he's a fucking raccoon yeah <laughs> well he's not really a raccoon somebody does mention that but they never say what he it's really bil- is up until now i thought you were a build-a-bear yeah. <laughs> dude he had some great lines in this movie tony stark that one where he calls thor the big lebowski as he's passing him on your left lebowski uh it's just just so many good things. Um, 
So I think this is a really good segue into just how funny this movie was. This movie was so much funnier than I thought it was going to be. And, like, all the movies, all the films have the moments in, you know, have their moments where you're like, that's really funny. Especially if Thor 3 was so unexpectedly funny. It, like, delighted me. And I feel like Endgame was that for me also. So before, it really just takes you through the full range of emotions. I just, you know, um, and the beginning of the movie, movie, the beginning of this movie is obviously um has more well not obviously but it it's funnier in the beginning than it is towards the end because the end is when all the action starts really just happening and all the drama but i thought this movie was hilarious especially like professor hulk i know you weren't the biggest fan of the way that they did hulk but i thought he was hilarious i really i really enjoyed the his take on that um I, i like professor hulk Okay, but as you were saying, like it, it, towards the end of the movie, it isn't as funny and everything else. There are some classic lines during during the battle scenes with even Thor uh, when he grabs Majolner and uh, and Stormbreaker, or or sorry, Cap has Stormbreaker and he has Majolner and they switch and he's like, "Here, you take the little one." It's like it's it's but, still yeah. good. Like they still do it. It's still there. And for being how dark this movie should have been with everybody disappearing, how it affected them all, how depressed and and depressing and and aggravating and and aggravated and pissed off everybody was during this movie it still had that lightheartedness uh coming across whether it was rocket or tony or or whatever um so i love that they balanced that out really well and they didn't make it like this sad sad movie until it got to the point where it had to be serious and they were like going after um, Thanos and, and they were gearing up and now you know you, you, the audience is now getting set up for the action but through the whole movie you're feeling that because they're keeping it kind of lighthearted and you see them moving towards that anyway really good um, I, not to say I, it sounds like I'm sucking this movie's dick for back of a, lack of a better term I do have my issues with this movie oh yeah and that's going to come in just a little bit actually just our um, overall thoughts of, of just problems and issues that we saw but instead of just going in and just bashing the movie and every you know nobody likes that focus on all the positives first and maybe we'll end on positive so it's like a, a movie compliment sandwich yeah but um top funny moments in the in the film what were your favorite funny scenes um, uh, anything to do with rocket pretty much um i do love the thor line thor himself through the whole movie is funny i felt his character did get a little old though like I expected him to, to to after they realized they were going to go and do this, do something to put his body back to the way it was. He's a god. Like, I don't think he needs to do push-ups to get that body. He's a god. Like, How many gallons of ice cream and pizza did this man eat to get that? I just wonder. And beer did he drink? Well, five years is a pretty long time. I think if they did some kind of training montage and he just souped himself up, I think that would have been cheesy. I'm glad that they kept his physique the same throughout the whole movie. Um, but, but he, he's a god. He can't just change his physique. He's a god. He's not Loki. Loki changes his appearance. But like with um, – I think it would have been – I actually think it would have been stupid if he was just able to change his body. Well, because then why would he even let it get like that? I think – I what I don't like, his physique aside, he acted like a bumbling idiot like a bunch of the times. And after a little bit, it stopped being funny and more like, come on, man, like – like get your head in the game. Stop. Yeah, Grow the fuck up. When Rocket slaps him, I'm pretty sure. Again, Rocket just does what the audience is fucking thinking. He's just like, like knock it the fuck off. Come on, man. Like, um, I yeah. I mean, with the thing with 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 Thor is it does get old. It, like especially after they go see his mother and he hugs it out with her and everything else. It's like after that, grow up. 
Like, dude, you're, you're done. Everything fucking bad happened. Yeah, you, you wallowed in it for the last five years. You have a chance to fix shit now. Pick up your fucking weapon, get your ass in gear, and get your head in the game. But instead, he still... He, it doesn't seem like he wants to try because he's already failed too many times. Right. And it's like none of the Avengers, nobody could pick him up. Nobody could get him to want to do that until they're actually battling is when he he fucking gets He's together. finally like, all right, I got to do this. So can we call back a little bit to the last episode we recorded where we talked about how you felt that Thor didn't seem like he was sad enough hey i just said i was 100 percent wrong on like all my theories <laughs> he but, just like was so bothered by the fact that thor seemed so chill or thor seemed so chill about everything based on the trailers yeah because like look at the trailer when he summoned stormbreaker to him i like this one mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's like he's just sitting there and to me it's like he's brooding he's like let's just do this let's just do this let's get it on let's get it over with like he's ready to get in there and do what he needs to do and then he does that and says his little funny line or whatever. It, it didn't seem like he was upset. Now in context, that was, like I said, the trailer, it, it, fucking insane how good it is to make you think those parts are sporadic throughout the movie. When in reality, it's literally like the first 15, maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was wrong about Thor. I, I was wrong about Thor. I was also wrong about Cap dying. Um I was so hell-bent that Cap was going to die. I mean, even if you read my article at on, on Nerdcaster.com uh, on some other theories that I had, every single one of them has Cap dying. And it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. I was completely wrong, and that was the one thing. I would I would have put money on that. That's how sure I was that Cap was going to eat dust, eat dirt, eat take a, take a nap and, and end up with Peggy Carter. And then you get their force ghosts. Dancing in the sky. Oh, God, <laughs> um, Before You know what? Before we keep going down this path, I'm just going to wrap up the funny moment. So, like, just sure. my favorite. I thought Paul Rudd so funny in this movie. Again, Ant-Man and Wasp, I thought he was pretty funny, too. And that carries over into this one. Ant-Man 1, uh, I, can't, I can't honestly say I liked that movie. I tolerated it. I literally tolerated to watch it. But in Ant-Man 2... Uh, and this movie, um, and even Civil War, I thought he was pretty funny. So I'm growing a lot more towards his character. And I love Paul Rudd as an actor. I mean, there are so many other movies, and even him with Jimmy Fallon and certain things. He's fucking funny as hell. Dude is great. I want to see them use his character more. And if, like, uh, Taiki Watiti or whatever his name is, who did Thor Ragnarok, would help take up Ant-Man in some of his writing, I think that could work as well, too. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm curious to see where they take Ant-Man from here, because we, we, I'm sure we're going to get a third Ant-Man. So, but yeah, Paul Rudd was really good. I think the taco scene is not talked about nearly enough. With how funny that is? I thought that was hilarious. So, like, no words are spoken. He just literally, all the toppings flies out of the taco. And you just kind of, like, you're a little sad. And I always felt bad for, the, you know, like, I'm the type of person that felt horrible. When somebody dropped their ice cream. When somebody drops their ice cream or the the fucking tricks rabbit. The kids don't let him have his fucking cereal. Like, I would get pissed because I'm just like, why can't give the rabbit his fucking cereal right so it would make me feel bad so i saw that happen and i was like oh man that kind of hurt me a little bit but not like a lot i was just like that's kind of sad but then the hulk here comes the hulk and he just like there's, there's the a part before a fucking taco but there's a he, i think he hands him too but there's a part before that that's even funnier 
when Nebula walks by him and goes, says like, uh, "Hey, Rhodey, watch out for the idiot," or or something, in yeah, front of in like the a just, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. And then Hulk walks by, looks at him, and hands him the taco. Yeah, and then the cue the music, and then it seems like a little bit of a buddy comedy, which again, didn't expect it. And I think that kind of helped them setting that tone. You would think that maybe the the film has a tone problem, but they just do it at the right moments. Professor Hulk is also funny in this movie. Yeah, as much as I don't like how they did it, the scene with the cell phone and the selfie, <laughs> like he's just like, but he wants you to take a picture with him. <laughs> just, he's like, just take the goddamn phone. <laughs> yeah. Like that scene is probably one of my top funniest scenes in the movie because it. It's Ant Man wanting to be like a like an A class superhero, but but he's still like a C class superhero. And they just they're they're just unashamed of it. They <laughs> yeah. just completely own it. Again, it, it's the the writing in this film was just so good. Um, God, yeah, that was that was so many unexpectedly funny moments throughout the entire thing. And again, for a movie that's so depressing, it it it, it, it it's what I think made the movie better than sitting there through a depressing ass movie. For such a, we're having this many like kind of A-listers. Well, even though like you know some of the the MCU the MCU movies would make them A-listers, um, so many personalities, like they all had just great chemistry. Everybody did like all the interactions, like every, um, I that is got to be hard to pull off. Well, speaking of buddy comedies, the, the movie does go in that direction, or at least the way I feel it does, when they break up to go get the stones. So, uh, what is it? Like, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes in the movie, they realize they got to go and find all six stones back in time in order to stop Thanos from doing the snap. Yeah. This is the entire, this is pretty much the sequence that happens before, like, the climax of the film. Yeah. So, they all split up in teams. And this is where your buddy comedy stuff comes in. I mean, you got Cliff or, or uh, Hawkeye and and Black Widow, um, Cap, Tony, and Hulk. It's those three, right? There's somebody else there. Cap, Tony, Hulk, and uh, um, Ant-Man. And Ant-Man. And then, you know, whatever else, whoever breaks off with whoever else. I'm not going to go through all of them. Rocket, Nebula, and then... Well, no, no, no. Um, no, Rocket and Thor, Nebula, um, War Machine, Barton, and Romanoff. They go off, and then they separate into two separate teams from there. Yeah. So, I mean... They all break off, and I think it helps with the interaction to tell each part of these stories without having all these people on screen trying to get, get screen time. So I see why they did it. it. It works. It works very well. And, I mean, let's start with where Cap goes. The, his team ends up in 2012 at the Battle of New York. Again, the theater erupts. And, they, like, lose their fucking – they lose their goddamn minds. Yeah. And, I mean – I kind of was like, oh, shit, we're back in New York. This is so awesome. I, I even got the feels for it a little bit. Um, but then how it branches off from there, I do have some issues like with the with the ancient one and how she's fighting and arguing with Hulk when all of a sudden he says Dr. Strange's name and gave it away willingly. It's like, all right, here you go. Just take it. I don't even need to know why. I don't even know what happened. But here. But like you would think that she would because she sees time differently than everybody else that she would I, actually. So she saw as far in if you remember Dr. Strange. You, she saw as far as that she knew that Strange was going to take over and that she would die. Yeah. Is it that much of a stretch to foresee what was going to happen with Thanos? I don't think so. Agreed. And and that's part of my problem with her, Unless too. she couldn't see anything beyond what her death was. But her part is very important in this movie, and I'm guessing we're going to go into this a little later. But she says something to Hulk that, um, on the second watching, put a lot of stuff together to me. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the way 
the timeline works. So I hate time travel. I fucking can't stand it. And this movie is no exception. So before anybody says anything to me, I do hate time travel in this movie. Do I think the scenes they went back to are great? Yes. But I found so many problems with it. And I'm not getting into all of them on the show because we'd be here forever, but I will get into some of them. So apparently if the stones are not put back into their exact spots in which they came, an alternate reality or timeline, whatever you want to call it, will branch off and it'll your timeline will still exist, but something else somewhere else will happen. This is a huge problem. It's a huge problem because let's look at CW's Flash. They do it all the time, create these alternate realities, and now you don't know who's from where and who can co- and who, who exists with what because there's so many different things going on. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll get more into that later, but that's at the, at the butt of it, this can grow out of control very fast. And, they, and in my opinion, I think this happened in this movie at one point and they need to bring it back. And actually, I think it happened in multiple spots. If I had to think about like just the way that they did it, it um, and I, there's two major events that really would affect that to create these alternate realities, even if they return the stones um, exactly from where they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two, I'll get in the. I think the the one that um, actually you kind of see pan out in the film, and that's when um, Nebula doesn't get back. She's on Morag. Something interferes. She doesn't go back right away. She's captured by 2014 Nebula. 2014 Thanos and 2014 Gamora and you end up fighting 2014 Thanos he gets pushed through and he you know does the final battle or whatever have you as himself in 2014 and but you know not getting the final battle just yet um because I have about the scene you're talking about I do want to ask you something so I'll let you finish before I ask but before things get really really heated future Nebula like so 2020 to to whatever 2024 i guess nebula shoots 2014 nebula uh-huh. and kills her correct she's she's that that obviously like screws that timeline it has to it it screws that that gets all thrown out of whack in addition to the everything that happened with with thanos and you know gamora and whatever and then the second thing hold on because with your going back to your nebula thing i have a question and maybe you can answer um, I have talked to other people about this. I can't get an answer from it. Nebula only had one Pym particle to get back. She comes back with the regular Avengers. Bad Nebula, by the way. 2014 Nebula comes back with the Avengers. Saying she stole Nebula's suit and Pym particle, how does Thanos and his ship have a Pym particle to get back? Don't know. So bad Nebula is somehow able to transport Thanos back and not just thanos when we get to the final battle all of thanos's armies magically appear from fucking where from 2014 ship but how i That's don't know kind of and i i don't know the answer again to that. You, this is why time travel is a problem with me um yes that is a problem that um 20 so the whole 2014 killing 2014 thanos in in this movie how does this affect the timeline to where he makes the snap originally? Because now shouldn't it not even happen? Right. Th- these are the problems I have. So the way that Banner explains time travel, because again, Marvel did the best that it could to call itself out. So hopefully um, 
podcast show hosts won't do this on their shows. I don't know. <laughs> but they make fun of time travel movies and basically saying that it doesn't work that way. So like you're you going to change the past is part of your future. So nothing changes for you. And I guess they're going the whole divergent like realities type of thing. So it's like so obviously they've created a split a split um Time alternate line. timeline. Mm-hmm. They're in 2014 when they're on Mirag, and they create another one in 2012. So so right now, we've got three timelines, three they, completely fucking different they timelines. They also create another one when Captain America goes back to replace the stones. Right. So so now we're... Okay, so let's, let, let's count here. So that's four. <laughs> yep. so that's four realities, in, three in addition to the main one. To the that, one that we all know and love right now. Yeah. So let's go back to this. So we just talked about Mora. We talked about that gigantic fucking plot hole mm-hmm. um, with there not being even close enough pin particles to send all those people back. That's why that's a huge plot hole. Um, now let's go to the other one. 2012 New York. They fail to get the Tesseract. In 2012. In 2012. Loki gets it and transport. He disappears. He's gone. And then Tony, Ant-Man, they're like, we fucked up. We got to go find and get the Tesseract in some other way. But they've created that alternate timeline already. It's already been created because Loki, you know, took the fucking Tesseract. So then they, they use what remaining pin particles they have to go back to 1970 New Jersey to get the Tesseract, which they knew was being held there. And that PIM was had some kind of working laboratory there. They were going to be able to steal more PIM particles and get back to where they needed to go. So they do this. But they took more than was needed. Rogers really only needed two. It took four. So that was unexplained. Takes four. And very obvious. So to me, it's just like, oh, it's not a big day. Just took a little extra. Maybe they were going to make a mistake. But the thing is, he very obviously took four. There was four, four, and then there was two, I think. But he takes four. He takes four right out of the center. And I think that that was an obvious play. I think there was a reason why they gave you a close-up of him taking the four. amount that yeah, he took. I agree. And I think I know where that comes into play. But this is it goes into theories at the end of this episode. Right. So they get the Tesseract. All's well and fine. They couldn't avoid creating the alternate reality. They created it. But whatever. They've got the Tesseract. They've got more pin particles. Now back, back to Avengers. Back, back, uh, back to the now, nowadays. Yeah. So that was that was the two. Um, do you want to do we want to jump into the final battle at this point in time, or do we want to discuss the third alternate timeline that they were that was open? I think we should talk about the third because we are talking about just timelines in general, and then we'll talk about the battle, even though this happens after the battle. Okay. So this is going to be discussed in two parts. Then we're just going to sure. talk about the old. So the end of the movie. Cap is tasked with returning the stones back to their original timelines in their locations as to not create these alternate split-off realities. So he goes and he returns them, but he doesn't come back. He doesn't until... come back to, to real time. Right. Mm-hmm. So then you kind of like, as soon as he doesn't come back, I'm pretty sure everybody in the audience knew what was happening. And then, oh, oh there, there is old man Rogers sitting on a bench, and he obviously lived a lifetime somewhere else and you can probably guess where it was because they gave a very obvious shot of him um seeing um peggy carter when he went back to 1970 giving her the dance that she always wanted but 
So he goes back to 1970, right? He sees Peggy Carter in her office as director. Now, I don't know, like, what plastic surgery was like in the 1970s, but, like, I don't know how old she's supposed to be. My guess is in her late 40s or early 50s at the youngest. She looks pretty fucking good. And Steve Rogers isn't fucking 50 years old. So I think that's another plot hole. Because World War II was when? 19- it was 19, and, I think 45 was when the Captain America, the first Avenger was set. So like, even if she was only 20 when she had the position that she did, which I doubt. That'd make her 70. Well, in 1970, no, it, 25 plus. Um, so yeah, 45. She would be 45 Ish. at the youngest. I, I would think at the very youngest be 45. That's kind of crazy. I kind of think that's a little nuts because she looked like she was maybe 30 years old. And I don't know. Is that me thinking like their unrealistic expectation on women's appearance? I don't know. It just to me, I'm like in 1970, I would think she would appear older, but whatever. That's not even the point. Um, you kind of get that. That's kind of where it's going to. They make, um, references to Peggy pretty, you know, at least two to three times during, um, during Endgame. And so Steve Rogers, he goes back to live his life with her. And I have a, I actually really big problem with this. This is actually now we're going to talk about aside from time travel. Now we're going to talk about just other problems I have with this whole scenario. That's fine. But didn't she have her own show? She had her own show. So this goes. Does into she the get problem. married in that show? I'm pretty sure she gets married. And she has children. I don't know if she has children, but I do believe she gets married. So how does this screw with her her old husband? And if she did have kids, they not exist anymore. Probably. Because here's the other thing. If you're saying like you change the timeline and nothing gets affected on this timeline, let's look at when he comes back. And gives Falcon the shield. I think what they're doing. Um, wait, what? I'm sorry. So when they what? get when he gives Falcon the shield, he he says, you know, it's yours now, whatever. And, and Falcon obviously takes up the mantle now as Captain America. What you know, Bucky kind of could have could have taken up that mantle too. Does Bucky know? Because now that Steve went into the past, told Bucky in the past what he was going to do because he obviously lived through everything else. And obviously would see Bucky in the it battle. Doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It, Remember, in, in the rules that Endgame created. I get that. But what I'm saying is Bucky gives an actual nod to Falcon like he knows what he, what's going on. He also tells Steve, I'm going to miss you, buddy, before he leaves, even though he's supposed to be back five seconds later. I think not that Steve Rogers told him. I think he just knew what he was going to do because uh-huh. he knew who. Well, he knows who Steve is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then he could obviously see what he's going to do for Falcon later on. I got it. But if that's the case, how is he back in this timeline as Old Man Rogers? Don't know. Don't know. So that's what I'm saying. Because, I mean, I guess it's because he went back in time and there wasn't another Steve Rogers. This is where that other pin particle comes in that he took. Now there's one. So now there's so you know what that's a really good point because then like because him going back in time to live his life out with Peggy Carter, he that doesn't erase. Him in the ice. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I don't... This is where... So then another Steve Rogers would have to be running around. at While one's on ice. Because that happened. Right. Because he didn't die. He actually... Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Or doesn't make a lot of sense, actually. So, yeah. So that, that's a giant plot hole right there. Because... And this is not what our theories on time track. This is the rules according to... Marvel game. or according to, to MCU. Film. Yes. So even if he does use a pen particle to come back for argument's sake right now, he still has one left. Where did that one go? And you want to get into theories? 
I'll give you mine. Um, right. Or do you want to head back to the I, battle? Just real quick before we go back in the theories, I just also want to just I want to go back to still a Steve Rogers thing. I just want to harp on one more point. Sure. What he did going back in time to live out his life with Peggy Carter, I think wasn't a very Steve Rogers thing to do, actually. It's so, out of character. Because it's out of character. It was, it was actually really selfish of him. And I feel like it was kind of a cheap way to give him a happy ending. He talks about moving on several times in, in Endgame, like when the whole five years later sequence. But he also says he can't. He says that he can't, you know, yes. But, like, you see him experiencing so much character growth in all the films. Like, ever since, like, especially when he came, when he comes back in Avengers. Like, you actually see him dealing with... um you know, living in a completely different time, connecting with different people. And I like to think that he did connect with these people. And and to me, just kind of like, he, A, he just turned his back on them. He also turns his back on his, like, best friend, whom he hasn't seen in, like, years. And off to and go chase some ass. And took his side between Tony and him. Yeah, so to me, that's not something he... I just don't think he would have done it. And another thing is... Yeah. They don't mention Peggy at all in Infinity War. Yeah, she's not really mentioned at all. I don't remember any mention of her, so you're right. And after after she after so she, no after her fu- after her funeral, um, and I think it was Avengers two. So you see her in the Winter Soldier. I think she um, she's in a hospital bed. She's not, you know, she's got Alzheimer's. She doesn't really remember Steve. You see him kind of coping with that whole thing. And then you see her in Avengers. Well, you don't actually see her in Avengers 2. Like, he kisses her niece in Avengers 2. Yeah, They kind of hook up a little bit. But she dies. And you see him kind of having a little bit of closure. He starts to move on. And then Endgame just kind of reversed all of that. Mm. And that's why I had a bigger problem with it, other than the whole time travel plot hole thing. I mean, if he went back and didn't come back right away and did the dance and spent some time with her, but then came back, I could I could see that being fine. But or I like, agree. yeah, just a, just a kind of like, you know, amount of time, but like this was, a, you know, kind of like when Thor talked to his mom, like it was a gift. Yeah. It was a temporary gift. A, you know what? Yes, I 100% agree with that. That, that I think that could have worked. But yeah, it, the way they did it, I mean, I guess because Tony's dead now. Oops. Oh, yeah. Spoiler. Um, Tony's dead. I think it kind of affected Cap because he never listened to Tony. They always were at odds since Civil War. And Tony made points like, well, if we did what I said, maybe this wouldn't have happened and all that stuff. I think Cap has a little bit of guilt. And that was kind of him running away, possibly. Again, that's speculation on my part. You could probably tear it apart 10 ways from Tuesday. But... I can see it. I can kind of see that, you know, it's just like every, after everything was done, he wanted to, you know, Tony was able to rest by being dead. And then like, it was like, does, you know, so am I saying that captain doesn't deserve a life like of happiness? I just don't see how he could go back to that time after living through what he lived through. And then does he fight crime? Is he a superhero in that time? Or does he just hang everything up? Wow. I can't believe you just said that because now you're talking about captain America four where captain america is now a time period piece and you're going to get more comic accurate captain america stuff from comics in those days see i don't know about that just because and by the Chris way, Evans said he was done i i agree with you but it leaves the door open if they ever wanted to do it that's all it is i'm not saying it's going to happen but it could and that leaves the door open for it and now that falcon's captain america and like we just said you broke this timeline thing so now there's an alternate timeline you can have two different captain americas 
Again, causing major confusion in this entire thing. What did I say about time travel? I'm, I can't remember. Oh, I fucking hate it. Yeah, this is why. So anyway, let's go back before we get to my final theory and talk about the rest of this movie and starting with the. Well, we battle. got one more thing. One more thing. Yes, we while, do. While we're on this thread. And that's something that Rogers very obviously does before he goes back to replace the stones and the camera again Mm. there are two things the camera does when steve rogers does something and it's never it's never talked about it's not addressed in the movie after he does it but it happens twice first time was when he took those four canisters of pin particles the second was again when he goes back to take the stones he picks up mjolnir 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 (laughs) he picks up mew mew and he doesn't come back with it. But does he have a shield? So, like, the shield's obviously broken. Exactly. It's broken. But he took it. He obviously took it from the past. But so that, why take, why give Sam the shield? I'm sorry to cut you off. No, But no, no. why give Sam the shield? Where's the fucking hammer? That's where I'm going with this. The shield is broken, so he doesn't take the shield back with him. That, and actually, that's good continuity. Because I fought with myself trying to remember if he took the shield or not. And that's exactly what I thought. The shield broke. So there's no reason for him to take it. Um, yes. He takes Mew Mew with him. Doesn't return with Mew Mew. Where did Mew Mew go? It's either another plot hole or it will be explained later. Now, do you want to go into my last theory on this entire movie? And it includes that pin particle. Or do you want to talk about the battle and save that for the end? I guess we'll save that for the end. All right. So let's go back in time to the beginning of the end game final battle Thanos and his army versus everyone. And let me tell you, if you love these movies for action movies, this is fucking the tits on a bowl. This the tits on a bowl. Yup. Did you just make that up? I maybe, <laughs> but it's fucking cool. And sorry about that. The action and the battling and the fighting between mainly captain America, Thor, Iron Man, those characters have the best sequences in this fight. And I think because they have so many characters, they really can't compact them. But I mean, though the main... You almost forget that the other characters exist in like the first, I think, in, in act one of the fight. Which th- this fight is long. This fight is a good what? What would you say? Like 35, 40 minutes? Yeah. It's long. And in the beginning, you just have the ones who are survived. The... the, the Hulk makes the snap. Supposedly, everybody comes back, but you don't see them for a while yet. And these guys are battling Thanos, and they're fighting their balls off and getting their ass beat and going back and forth. And it's so done so well. Again, sounds like I'm sucking this film's dick, but I already said some bad things, so I can do that again. Um, Just, I mean, come on. The best, two best scenes in the entire movie are doing during this fight. Number one, when Captain America finally wields Majolner and uses that in combination with his shield to like really do, do some damage on Thanos, like the combination he uses are, are amazing. The CGI and the, the way, however they do it in, in this new cornfangled doohickey of technology, amazing. Done perfectly. And then uh, uh, Thor with, with, with Stormbreaker and him using Majolner in that back and forth and going back and forth and him fighting with Captain America against Thanos. It's, 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 it's great. I mean, th- that and then the, the second you realize they lost again, or so you think, and the portals open up 
and all the members that everybody who's disappeared come back. Your theater erupts into clapter again. Clapter. So and there's then, a scene. Wait, you get that iconic line that people have been waiting for since Avengers 1. Avengers assemble. And they just go full on, like, what was that movie? Uh, uh, Braveheart battle, and both sides clash, and they go at it. Now continue with what you were going to say. Right before the portals open up, and and, and you see the, the yellow sparkly thing. Yeah. That's the uh, captain, uh, or the captain. That's uh, Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange does. Um, you see Cap just kind of looking around. He has like a resolve, even though he knows he will lose. He's ready to take on everybody and it's that's where i thought his death scene was gonna be a subtle thing and really kudos to chris evans really for like just having the expression of like complete resolve but utter defeat at the same time because and then there's 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 just the, the the camera the camera shot here is 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 amazing you just see um, it's almost like a David and Goliath kind of thing, actually. Uh, it looks like a fucking painting, this no. screenshot. Um, and if we can find it, that's going to be the episode art for this <laughs> fucking episode. Because it, I, I, I looked at it and it spoke out to me two times. One, you know, both times I saw the film. Um, that's the only thing I really wanted to point out. And then everything goes fucking crazy. Everybody comes back. You see Black Panther come out. And he's just fucking ready to do battle. And you see, like, the armies of Wakanda. You see everybody revived. And they're just ready to just whoop some ass. And they do. Yeah. Um, but they don't. I mean, it's still Thanos. It's, it's um, you know, they get, they get pretty far. I mean, again, right before uh, Captain Marvel's OP moment of destroying the ship, because when, when the other side's losing, Thanos orders... He throws his Hail the, Mary. Yeah, he throws the... He gives the order for the ship to rain fire, even though it was going to destroy some of his troops, too. He does not give a fuck. And um, that's when Captain Marvel comes in, does her part. And now they need to... They want to get the stones far away from Thanos. They want to send the stones through time again. They try to get that working. They have to get this gauntlet across the battlefield. And um, and to do that, you know, you see uh, Peter Parker like a doll. And I think his revival caused the most commotion both times. The most times. clapter, yeah. Yeah, the most clapter. And um, so he hands over the gauntlet to Captain Marvel... And he says, I don't know how you're going to get through all that. And then they're cue a cheesy moment, which is pretty much all the females in um, pretty much the battle, including Pepper Potts, including Valkyrie, including Scarlet Witch, everybody. And they're like, she's got help. And they're going to help. And first of all, there's two things I, I found completely wrong with that scene. And I completely enjoy feminism in superhero movies i'm a very big fan of it i'm not so much a fan when i feel like it's trying too hard we're pushing an agenda right so like in wonder woman the feminism in that movie to me was completely natural it wasn't trying too hard gal gadot and you know just um gal gadot i mean diana um (laughs) Well, Gal Gadot just, plays that. I, I know, but, but I was, I was, um, yeah, trying but, to get character name. Yeah. Right, and she's just a badass to be a badass. She's not a badass 
um, in spite of being a woman. Mm-hmm. She's just a fucking badass. And I think that that to me is what speaks to me the most is like it doesn't matter what your gender is like you're just a fucking badass Mm -hmm. and you're gonna fucking whoop some ass and like captain marvel i felt like was like kind of like this too a lot of characters in mcu i still feel like this when they try to just call it out and make it a thing to me lessens the moment almost especially because captain marvel didn't need anybody's fucking help to get through about she doesn't fucking need anybody's help two seconds after they say that she zooms off anyway and and blasts by them all so it may and and so there was that and then number two so we didn't even address this at all well we didn't for reason right and this is one of this is actually the, the biggest problem i think i have with this movie so natasha romanoff black widow every the person everybody thought was safe from dying and who started the mcu for women for women is the original female avenger in the mcu she dies before the final battle happens she sacrifices herself in a tear-jerking moment um i thought that was aside from just like a it's a little bit of kind of over-the-top acting during that part Aside from that, like, was completely, like, probably the second most heartbreaking moment that happens in the entire film. So she sacrifices herself and dies. You cannot have this epic female moment in a movie without Black Widow. That's, and me, to me, if she was in it. a slap in the face. I actually think I would be like, you know what? Like, hell yeah, Marvel. Well done. <laughs> but I actually just felt like it was so empty because she, she wasn't there. And, like, she didn't have, I mean, if you're not talking about comic book um, Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Witch, if you're not talking about comic book Black Widow, she's, like, a normal person, just a really extremely well-trained agent that was intelligent. She manages to, in Avengers 1, she outsmarts a god, the god of mischief. She outsmarts him, and that's, like, her, she had a big part ends up not being actually that big of a part but she outsmarts him right she outsmarts the villain she didn't have the opportunity to even do that she's just kind of a martyr well nothing against that scene and and how how well she is and to do i think because everybody thought she was safe that's the reason it was her and not cliff i think some of these death scenes were purposely done with two deaths in mind i i believe that like they filmed it with both of them. Uh-huh. I, I can believe that too. Because I really, could. I really thought when that scene comes, it's it's her and, and Clint on, on Vormir uh, to get the Soul Stone. And as everybody knows from Infinity War, somebody has to go to get it. And when they show up there, my first instinct is it's going to be Hawkeye. And because he wasn't in the last movie, he was, he's been overlooked pretty much. He kills a bunch of people. He said that he's kind yeah. of become a different murdering type of guy. He's, his character's just, kind of been shot up I a feel, little bit. But I feel like he's like the overlooked Avenger in this whole thing, um, even in other movies. Like he, he's, I mean, he makes fun of himself on, a, on one of those late night shows singing about how good he is, just as good as the other Avengers and stuff. So I felt like this was them calling out to this is his purpose. Right. But- and widow's the one who ends up dying yeah and that i was a little i I was again i I was more upset i wasn't upset i wasn't overly upset by it when it happened i wasn't upset by it until tony stark died and i think that it was kind of like you know they have a moment on a pier after her death and they return and and obviously she doesn't come back and they're all sad and they all have like a little bit of time to like kind of cope with it but then it's like we gotta we gotta make this now we gotta do what we can do to reverse this whole thing so that her death wasn't for just absolutely for nothing, nothing. Yeah. um 
So you have more on that or can we go back to the battle? Uh, no, we can go back to the battle. That's fine. Because we did go off on a little bit of tangent there because that was something I, I was going to that that I want to go back to that actually mm-hmm. um, after we're done with this battle. So the battle goes on. The, the Captain Marvel does her thing. Thanos gets the gauntlet anyway. She's OP and he needs the power stone to punch her in the head to get her off of him, which bothered me a lot. But it's only because of how OP she is and the fact that he needed a power stone to do it. What is this woman's weakness? That's what it's coming down to now. Like this woman has no weakness and that's a problem. So that I think that needs to be addressed. Um, but he gets the gauntlet how, and he's about to snap again. And Tony sacrifices himself and he goes after him. Thanos makes the snap again. It don't work. Tony has taken the stones out in the epic reveal of him putting it into his suit to snap away Thanos. And everybody loses it. Tony has just sacrificed himself, something the entire movie he was said he would not do, that he is not going to give up the life he has now for the life that he had then, because now he has a daughter. Now he has Pepper. Whether they're married or not, I don't know. Um, Because there was talk about that in Infinity War. But he has a child. And he told Cap he doesn't want to lose what he has. And he's not going to do anything to sacrifice that. And he does anyway. Crazy. And it's a fitting end. The last line he says is what? Yep. uh, The last line he says in Iron Man 1, which is, I am Iron Man. I mean, but... I mean, it's kind of like you kind of after you see what happens is like they foreshadow this moment. Um, yeah. And because I was blinded, I thought Cap was going to die. Overlooked all of this and it bothers me. So like Stephen Strange, he when he comes back, when he's revived, um, Tony says to him, like out of one out of 14 million, whatever it goes, this is is this the way, you know, this is going to pan out, you know, really. And. Strange is like, you know, if I told you, it wouldn't happen. And like at the, you know, at the, that really just foreshadowed what was going to happen. And the first yeah. time I saw it, I was just kind of like, no, that's true. That's absolutely, you know, you don't want to jinx it. I yeah. took it like that. As that's opposed the way I to, took it too. If he tells him it's not going to happen. Yeah. But if he told him, it still wouldn't yeah. have happened. No, because this is like, that's the kind of like that, that, that kind of terror, like kind of immobilizes you because Tony knows what happens when you snap the stones. Like he, like he, he saw it, you know, twice. Yeah. And and he does it anyway. So he looks over at Stephen Strange, who just holds up his index finger, just like one. Like this is basically he's telling Tony, like that this is this is the way it's got to go down, and he just does it. And like this isn't the first time he was willing to risk his life to save like the world. In Avengers one, he takes that fucking nuke that was supposed to hit New York and flies into space, and he flies it. it into space, and miraculously he survives that. And you know what I mean? And just like. So I think that kind of makes it all the more devastating. He's able to just scrape by with by the skin of his teeth and survive these crazy situations. And, you know, his willingness to, to sacrifice himself for the greater good, it's just he believes in that. So, like, the whole shield around the world, yeah, that sounds so big brothery. And, it's, it, it you know, everyone's just like, oh, like, good intentions and, and all that and what happens or whatever. You can't just build everything on good intentions and yeah like he was wrong a lot of times but i think what also gets overlooked was like i don't think people felt um like i don't feel like he was appreciated enough as enough as he should have been for as much sacrifice he was willing to just kind of i, I think he wasn't appreciated enough because of his arrogance his arrogance is 
what leads to him being unappreciated. He's so arrogant about everything. He's so arrogant. So how he's do you, so selfish. So how do you appreciate He's willing to like, pay the ultimate price. I, you know that. Yeah. You, you, you get that now. Now that he had to pay that ultimate price is when you get that feels. I mean, you obviously had it. You're a Tony Stark fan. I, on the other hand, think Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Like nobody else can take up that role. But not one of my favorite characters. Like, he does an excellent job. Nobody else can play Iron Man ever again, as far as I'm concerned. Not in my lifetime. Don't ever want to see it. Well, you also weren't Iron Man's biggest fan just from the get-go. I was not. You're right. So, but the second he died, I did get upset. Like, I didn't I didn't trickle tears down my face here. No, but, he, he gave me the tissues. Yeah. But I was... I was like, damn, I really I really preferred it to have been Cap. I wanted to see... I like Robert Downey Jr. and his cameos. Like, in the other movies. And... Now I probably won't get that unless it's in some form of a projection shit that he happened to do two days before he died or something like with the the living will thing he kind of made. Like, and I I absolutely hate that too. Like, dude, you really thought you were going to win. You were you would he wouldn't have done that. He did that when he was just about to die on the ship. He's never really done that any other time. Why are you doing it again before this battle takes place? You know what I mean? Like, you think you actually have a shot. I don't think Tony would have done that. I feel like that's kind of out of character for him. The way that he talks during it is definitely his character, though. But didn't really like that either. I also kind of don't believe Tony's dead. I believe Iron Man is done. I think Tony is still alive. Yeah, I know. Nah. I, I'm, it's wishful thinking on my part. I actually... I. I mean, I can see them trying to do it, but if they did and just essentially just like, oh, he faked his death so he could actually just like rest, I think is, I would actually be really aggravated, I think, with Marvel because I I think it's too much of a stretch. Like the, and you know, comic books love to do this. Oh, they're dead, but they're not really dead. Yeah. And it's kind of like what they did with um, the Justice League and, you know, with, with Superman. It's just like, so then what you're doing is that when they make a sacrifice or whatever, it's just like it their deaths mean nothing. Exactly. And I agree. I think he has to stay dead, too. It's wishful thinking on my part. I mean, if he faked his death, there's no reason that Morgan and um, and Pepper have to watch that video to begin with. Like, they didn't even need that scene. No. And so, I don't think he would put, or even if he just wanted to, I think he would be, he's the type of person that would just be like, I am just done. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and maybe he comes back to work on projects because like, he was done for a while. He wasn't like, he wasn't like Cap and Widow still trying to make the Avengers a thing while the rest of the world was half dead. But what did they do when they had an idea? What did they do the second they had an inkling that they could bring people back? Who did they go to? They went to Tony. Does he want that anymore? Because the second they go back to him, he knows he's got to he's going to give in and do it. Yeah, I believe you know he's dead. I don't want him to be dead. Like I said, it's wishful yeah. thinking. I'm just saying like out of you know what you want. You want to talk about like what's selfish and what's not selfish. Tony Stark, not selfish. Steve Rogers did a really fucking selfish thing at the end of the movie. Agreed. I'm, I agreed with you earlier when you said that. Yeah. So, so it's like so I don't think that Tony would fake his death just to escape something that because that's a very selfish thing to do. It's a very, you know, maybe it's a Tony Stark thing to do, but I don't think Tony Stark would do it. And then again, it's just kind of so it's like subs- subverting our expectations. Uh-huh. Oh, here we go. And then but then you have Steve Rogers doing a very selfish thing, like doing something that I, we didn't expect him to do. And everyone just go, oh, I'm, I'm so happy he got like his happy ending. Like I'm not, I actually, you know, I already talked about this too. I don't know why I'm repeating yeah. myself, but like, it still pissed me off. 
That's how bad it pissed me off. So since you brought it back up, let's go to that last Pym particle and my theory on that to wrap this all up. Because that's pretty much the entire movie right there. Mm-hmm. Black Widow has it. Mm-hmm. When he returned the Soul Stone, she this needed a theory? way back. Yep. She needed a way back. He gave her that last vial. And where she is now, I don't think we know yet, but I think we'll find out. I don't think we've seen the last of her. I think you skipped a really important part of what makes this theory viable. I'm getting that right now. Because when you take a soul stone, you have to give a soul to get it. What happens when you return a soul stone? That was never talked about. Do you just throw it down that canyon and just like buy or just hand it to Red Skull no. and be like, now, I don't need this anymore? Here's the thing. What's the point of returning that if you can always just get another <laughs> one anyway? Yeah, what what sto- what storyline are they risking diverging from if With the stone, stone doesn't come back? So if that's the case, you just threw away her soul because isn't it her soul that goes in the soul stone to make it a soul stone? Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at how it's created. I mean, I could be wrong here, but by giving it back, now her soul could go back into her body. He can give her the pin particle and boom, she can come back. Whether she decides to come back to this timeline or not, is it, it, it completely different? Who knows where she is? But there is a Black Widow movie in the works. Maybe it won't be a prequel. Maybe we'll find out where she went. Who knows? That's my theory on it. And that was that's like my biggest thing. Like, I think that's her character has the most clouded future as far as deaths go. So anything else you'd like to add before I... Uh wrap this up or anything else you want to talk about because i think we did a pretty good job of talking about the entire movie i don't know if you have any other theories or no um the black widow one was something that i thought about after watching it the second time was kind of like how they were going to handle the returning the soul stones and the fact that they kind of yeah i think it was you who actually came up with that theory and i just loved it and now i just made it mine <laughs> i mean it's it's uh it'd be crazy if it was true it really would be if that's the way that they took it and but it, we don't know anything about the soul stone, no. which makes it very possible. Right. And we also don't know, um, you know, what the rules are. Like, and, and like, so who knows? That That's definitely a very interesting take on it. Um, with the, uh, oh, the whole Loki thing, too. That's another timeline. And again, that, that could be something that Marvel explore, uh, explores in Loki's new miniseries. On Disney Plus. Right. Actually, it's going to be a, a regular series, not even a miniseries. Really? Yeah. And they got Tom Hiddleston for that. Yes, they did. And even Hawkeye has his own series on there, too. Really? First of all, I think it's really cool that these actors kind of agreed to do that. I wonder how much Disney is paying them. And that's pretty awesome. My guess is Disney's throwing a lot of money at them so they can get viewership in the very beginning. I was hoping. I was really hoping that you saw Loki kind of show up in the final battle. But then the more I thought about it after the film was over, I'm like, that would have been really impractical because 2012 Loki wouldn't have... um, Maybe you know, it's a different there. it's a different timeline. Like, would he have been? It just wouldn't have worked. I'm just trying to. It would be shoehorning it in so hard to, well, to try to like justify his presence. To, to shoehorn it in this movie, but Thor leaves at the end of this movie with the Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. the As Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, they go to search for what we think is going to be a 2014 Gamora, or that's at least what we think Peter Quill is going to try to do. Probably because um, we don't know what happens to her at the end of the movie, but. What if Loki's the bad guy in that? He has history with Thor. He didn't do character development now because he doesn't get to the rest of the the Thor movies based on when he branches off from the 2012 timeline. 
I don't know how this time travel shit works really well. Like, he gets a new timeline, but is it possible that they can intersect with it somehow? Yeah, but then he would be with that Thor in that timeline. You know what I mean? So, But, but what Thor, Thor is in that timeline? The Thor from 2012. So now these events happen on a completely different timeline. I think, that, I think that's kind of... I think that's how See, it's going to work. But then how do they remember that then? Like, this is my problem. They were part of that timeline. Well, no, main, so Thor, main Thor was part of it. Like, so Loki doesn't know there was two Thors. Thor doesn't know there was another Thor. Or or it, when they went back, he did, they, they, they're not aware of the circumstances that were happening. So they're not even, you know what I mean? So it wouldn't be for them to... But then how does a Thor get onto that other timeline? I'm saying that he doesn't. So there's no Thor in this Loki timeline. I don't... Well, there is, just not the Thor from the main timeline. timeline. Yeah. But then what's the history of that Thor? Like, you see, this is my problem with these brand... What do you mean what the, what's the what history does there need to be? Like, I don't... I can't draw. This is an audio podcast. Well, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. In the new Divergent... Um, reality is set in 2012 that Loki escapes with the Tesseract. Yes. That Thor from that timeline, we don't know what happens to him. We don't know what the repercussions of Loki but, escaping with the Tesseract is going to be. We have no idea. But my problem is that Thor at in that timeline in 2012 when, when that Thor is there, he becomes the Thor we see today on this timeline. We don't know that. We actually don't then how know. Does, then what's the history of this Thor that we have now? That's what I'm saying. What's the history now? The history doesn't change. So that's what Banner keeps trying to say. Your past doesn't change because of something you did in your future. So that timeline is set already. What They, they go back in the past. It still becomes their future because they're, they're still progressing linearly. They're just So that's how the alternate timeline kind of works. I still don't get it, but we don't need to, to hash it out for like, two and a half hours so that's fair i mean i i don't get how the mcu timeline works i guess because the last i'm not i'm done i'm done i'm done me and you will talk about it off mic and if anybody wants to try and explain it to me feel free to comment on our website at www.nerdcaster.com um on the podcast show notes page or hit us up on facebook let us know your thoughts of the movie uh that being said your final thoughts on the movie um one out of ten, what do you grade it? You don't have to give reasons. We already talked about why we liked it and why we didn't. What would you give it as a final grade, though? But it, it's um, you know, it's like a nine. It's a nine and a half. All right. I, I that point five. I'm, I am going to give my justifications because I just feel so strongly about it. Steve Rogers, what he did with his uh, storyline, I was absolutely murdered by the fact that Tony Stark died. It just hurt me, but like I guess in a good way. Um, and Black Widow's death still just didn't wouldn't wasn't a big fan of it so like really those two things was gonna take that half a point off just because i'm a better person okay i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten and it's for one reason and one reason only and that's because i hate time travel and you will never ever ever see me give anything over a seven on time travel except back to the future because that is the only movie that does time travel well and because i was a kid and didn't understand it so i liked it and i still like it today that's it and that's all um <laughs> so that being said, I thought he was about to be like Nerdcaster out and then just add. No, I can't do that. I got to give props to people and, and give all our stuff out. So definitely hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at Nerdcaster on Twitter at Nerd underscore Caster. Um, visit us on the website at www.nerdcaster.com. Read some of my theories that I thought was going to happen and were completely false. Um, check out what we thought about the Star Wars uh, trailer in our latest podcast before this one. 
Also, don't forget to uh, go to The Geekery at 133A Main Street in Mattawan, New Jersey for all your comic book needs. They recently just got in the Infinity War and Infinity Gauntlet uh, trade paperback. So if you want to know how this happens in the comics, feel go there and, and uh, pick those up. Also, check out the uh, Justin vs. Justin uh, podcast on, on iTunes and all those as well as on their YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and I think it's called Google Podcast now or whatever it is, an Apple Podcast. Uh, leave us a review if you'd like. Um, anything else there, Z? Uh, no, that does it for me. All right. Nerdcaster out.